All right, here we are. Episode one of The Mortgage Show with Randy and Chris. Chris, you fired up? Let's go, baby. Yes. Yes, I am. Yeah. And I hope our, I hope our listeners are fired up. I'll let you go in a second, but like my vision for this podcast is to do a monthly podcast, keep it 20 minutes, 25 minutes, focusing on mortgage news, industry news, some helpful information that we can pass along to our referral partners, to our clients, to our prospects, to just catch them up on the market. There's so much noise coming at people all the time. So if we can just dumb it down, hit the key points, pass it along, move on to the next one. That's what I'm looking to do. What about you? Yeah, I think... You know, the thing is, is I think we work very well together. It's been great working with you in the mortgage industry. I love rambling about mortgage interest rates, product stuff. It's all stuff we nerd out on. So it's like, this should flow really well. Yeah. Let's keep it short and sweet. Let's make sure they're entertained and let's, let's do this. Sounds good, man. So, all right. The first thing that I want to talk about today is the big news that came out today, which is the CPI announcement, Consumer Price Index was up 3.2%, which is much lower than what it had been over the past 12 months, which is a good thing for mortgage rates moving forward. What do you think about that news? Good, good news for us. Inflation being tame is a really good thing for mortgage interest rates, guys. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's the major reason why interest rates spiked there for the longest time over the last 18, 20 months. So it's refreshing for me to see a low inflation number and eventually the consumers will like it too. Absolutely. I think we're already seeing rates drop a little bit today, which is nice. So inflation's up 3.2%. I think they'd like to get it to 2%, but things that are <clears throat> keeping that number up is things like rent. That that continues to be a big expense. Things that are bringing it down is the cost of energy has gone down, which is nice. So it's definitely a good number. I think from what I've read today is this might help take some of the pressure off the Fed to increase rates moving forward, which would be a nice surprise. Um, for us, man, it would be great. I, I just think or, the thing is, guys, organically, when inflation is down, the cost of borrowing starts to come down with it. So this is really good interest rate news for mortgage loans, the longer term notes, and where you're referencing the Fed rate. So we should explain what that is a little bit. Sure. Um, so it's an interbanking lending rate. So Randy's a bank. I'm a bank. It's the interest rate suggested by the Fed that we should lend to each other. So that's the rate that's been going up. You know, it affects home equity lines, car loans, consumer loans, credit cards, stuff like that. So, you know, the mortgage rates have been going up. Then you have the other side of it, which is this rate affected by the Fed news that's pushed all those other lending areas up. So I don't know, man, we might be on the ground floor of this actually starting to loosen, loosen up a little bit and costs come down just slightly. Which would be nice. Be nice for people going into the holidays and then we could start off 2024 with a bang. So I'm hopeful about that good news. So if you hear anything about it, that's what the latest is with the CPI announcement. Why don't we move on to an interest rate update in general? I know you have some stuff that you can share with our listeners, watchers. I'll give you an opportunity to do that and talk about rates, beds. So one of the things that makes interest rates go down. So we're talking about, we're talking about the Fed rate. We're talking about inflation, but also other economic news sort of affects this and, and that's the jobs report, the unemployment, retail sales, manufacturing. So the last report that came out, and this is, guys, this is pretty interesting because the last two weeks after getting our tails kicked, Randy, for about three weeks, mm -hmm. um, I mean, rates were shooting up. We had this economic report that came out. Most of those numbers did not meet expectation. And so here we are in the last few weeks riding this amazing high 
of interest rates trying to push lower. So I'm, I'm just going to draw out this chart real quick. So we follow this website called MBS Highway. On the right-hand side, you'll notice that's today's trading, which is a green candlestick going up the chart. Guys, simply, if you look all the way to the left, you can see a bunch of red flying down the chart. In between that, there's some green interest rates try to recover. But man, look at the last two weeks. So starting on the right, going back 14 candlesticks, you can see that climb up the ladder. And what spearheaded that was the fact that that jobs report didn't meet expectations. So we've been riding this wave. And honestly, Randy, it's nice to see, you know, so it really is. So the main thing to focus on with that chart is green is good. Red is bad. It's yeah. nice to have a little run up of green because um, it's, it's been a rough, what, 18 months at this point of like a lot more red than green. But um, I'm dude, hopeful. It was December of 2021. 20, okay. December of 21. We buy, our, we buy our building. Things are great. Let's do this. We're going, what, what are we, like five years deep in an amazing run of yeah. rates lowering, purchase business, refinancing. Let's make this big move. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> I know it's awesome we'll be able to tell that story for the rest of our career so it is nice I mean anything could happen in the weeks to come and rates could shoot back up to where they were I mean I was locking people in at eight and a half a few weeks ago like I'm, I'm hopeful that the eights are behind us and that we can continue to move down over the next again 12 18 24 months refinance some people that got these high rates I'm hopeful so let's just leave it at that on interest rates real quick my career spans 20 years this month. So mm -hmm. I'm actually 20 years, one month now. These interest rates are the highest that I've ever quoted. Yeah. So I think I remember doing a seven and a quarter way, way back in the day. So, yeah. I mean, seeing over eight was was super weird. It's tough. Yeah, it's tough for people too. So I'm hoping for better days ahead. Another thing that we want to do on a monthly basis is focus on a new product change in the industry, assuming there is one. And there is a big one that goes into effect on November 18th, which I actually think is this weekend. So it's effectively on Monday. And that is the addition of a 5% down conventional loan for multifamily properties. Yeah. You want to give a little bit of a highlight on that? I can kind of chime in. Yeah. So typically we've had to do at least 20% down one and two units. Well, actually a single family was 15, two unit was 20, three and four was 25. So if you were going to own or occupy, I mean, you had to have a large down payment if you were a conventional buyer. Mm -hmm. So that's all changed to 5%, like Randy said, starting on Monday. So there's going to be some back and forth about this, Randy, mm -hmm. conventional versus FHA. So if you yeah. want to kind of comment on some of that. Yeah. So in this market of the past couple of years, because it's a seller's market, buyers have been basically forced to use conventional financing if they were to buy a single family property. You know, when you have five, six, 10, 15 offers that a seller is receiving, they're going to cherry pick the best offer. And assuming it's not cash, they're going to gravitate towards conventional financing borrowers because those borrowers are better qualified, probably have bigger down payments, better credit scores. There's some appraisal things that come into play. So it's been all conventional for single family homes over the past couple of years. The one scenario that we would do FHA loans is for borrowers buying two, three or four unit properties to live in as their primary residence. It's really been the only use case for FHA over the past couple of years. And now it looks like the same thing that's happened with the single family market where everyone's been forced to go conventional. Now that conventional with 5% down is an option for multifamily properties where people are going to occupy the home. 
as their primary residence, I can actually see things moving in that direction now where everyone has to do conventional financing. I honestly don't know that conventional financing makes the most sense for, for most borrowers. So we're going to see how it plays out. So you just dominated that just so you know, well done. <laughs> <laughs> so something to consider if you're listing a property, if you're still receiving FHA offers after the 18th and you're thinking, geez, why don't I see a conventional 5% down offer? There's a couple factors, guys. FHA is going to let you spend more than the conventional options. So Fannie Mae typically is a hard, hard stop at a 45 back end DTI. Freddie Mac is a 50. FHA is typically going to 56 and change. So if you guys are still seeing FHA offers, I guess really, you know, don't toss it aside because there's probably a reason why they're in that FHA product. They, number one, they probably needed to get there as far as their approval amount is concerned. Number two, FHA has lower interest rates, so that's always more attractive than the conventional option. And number three, if your property doesn't really have any physical defects, it's, it's, it's really a good option, so don't discount yeah. it. But now that conventional's on the market, it's, it's gonna be in addition to, so it's not a subtraction yeah. of the FHA product, in my opinion. I feel like FHA has gotten a bad rap from sellers. It really comes down to, I think, the condition of the property. It's, and it really is peeling paint. That's like the main thing. If there's any peeling paint with FHA, that's going to be flagged and it's going to have to be addressed before closing or with conventional financing, that's not going to be the option. So that's really like the main thing. If your property doesn't have peeling paint, then you have nothing to worry on that front. And honestly, FHA loans are the easiest loans to get approved. Borrowers... I mean, they have like a really low credit report threshold. They're super lenient on debt to income ratio. Like assuming your property doesn't have peeling paint and you have an FHA offer, it's, it's going to fly. You know, it's a very easy loan to get through the pipeline. Yeah, agree. 1000% yeah. agree. So I'm hoping this FHA to conventional scenario doesn't really sort of discount the FHA because it's still the boss option in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. I hope so too. So that's a big change that goes into effect next week. So interested to see how it all plays out in the market. Definitely big news though. Nice to have more options, I guess. Yeah, more options is better than less options. So next thing we wanna let people in on is an underwriting tip of the month. And the one that we wanna go over this week is if we have a tough FHA file, there is the potential to use rental history of that borrower to help boost that file where they might otherwise not qualify if we can show that they have that rental history for the past 12 months, that might be a differentiating factor that allows them to qualify. Is there anything you want to add on this? I mean, there's a few bullet points I can go through. Yeah, I, I think the thing is, and I've heard you because we work next to each other, I've heard you take applications. I think the major thing, whenever we're looking over all of these options, but really keeping it focused here to FHA is like, when I take an application, I'm almost credit qualifying them myself anyways. So my level of obsessive questions, and it, it's probably the amount of reps that I've done, and you could mm -hmm. agree to this too, Randy. It's like you get caught on certain guidelines stuff along the way. You don't want to ever get caught on it again. So where are you going with this, Chris? I think ultimately, in addition to all of that individually that we do with these customers, now having this little option to tweak it and add the rental history for the software to actually give a better decision is actually a really good thing for us to know and actually input into the software because it's an easy thing to autopilot mm -hmm. and just kind of overlook and you know just assume so a lot of times i guess what this means is like we're taking an application we're asking about the housing history of two years but another layer of it is is i ask hey do you pay your rent have you ever been late 
if you are late, has it been more than 30 days? What's your payment history last 12 months? Yeah. And if they're, if they're not lying to me, let's put that into the software. Let's see if we could get, get a better decision. So what people so, don't realize is the first layer of defense when it comes to a loan application is this automated software that we use where we take everyone's income expenses, assets, liabilities, credit reports, throw it into the system. And it is analyzing it and giving us a decision upfront. If it gives us an accept, we can move forward. If it gives us a refer, it's nothing. We can't do anything. So adding this information into that software can be the difference between a refer, which means it's not happening, and an accept, which means we can kind of move it forward to the next stage. So that's a, that's a big deal. So what does this look like? So we have to document 12 months of rental payments of at least $300 per month, which is good to know, right? Some people might not realize that there is a minimum, uh, but 300 is the minimum. It's actually lower than what I would expect. And the things that we can document this with is a form from their landlord that confirms that they are paying that rent, have paid it on time, what that amount is, all that stuff. The next thing is 12 months of canceled rent checks, where if you pay your rent by check, you can get an image of that check showing that you paid it. Do that for 12 months, you're okay. 12 months of bank statements that show the payment going out. And then lastly, if you have a, you know, if you rent from like a high rise type apartment where there's a management company, they can complete a form to show that as well. One scenario that's going to be tricky in these situations is anytime you're living at home or renting from family or you're paying cash, none of those situations are going to fly. You know, anytime family is involved in anything in a loan, and we've had a, I've talked about a deal like this recently, it changes things. There's always that potential for fraud or for family members to help someone out. So anytime family's involved and there isn't clear documentation, that doesn't fly. And then if you're paying cash, then honestly, like you're just out of luck. You know, you, you should be paying things by check. Man, oh man, cash, cash, cash. <laughs> what, you can't have cash? Are you can't deposit cash in your bank account? <laughs> I don't even know what to say about cash. It seems like I run into it so often. I think that's another like fact-finding thing I do in my conversations. Like when I'm taking the assets section of an application, it's like I have $800 or $8,000 here and they're so vague with me, I immediately start picking and prodding at the cash scenario. So it's like, guys, cash does not work. Documenting income does work. So that's check. Yeah. That's check. That's management company. Yeah. Get your money in the bank. Put it in the bank. Please help us out. Okay. So that's a good tip for this month. Next thing we, we have a guest. I'm excited about this. We're going to try to bring a guest on every month. And whether it's someone within Norcom or someone in the industry, someone with a helpful tip, I think you'll really love this guest. This is one of me and your favorite guys. So let's bring him on right now. All right, we're here with Ellie Pascone from ValueQuest, one of our favorite people. Ellie, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Glad to be here, fellas. Good to see you both. Yeah, definitely. We want to have you on for a bunch of different reasons because we love you. But we want to talk about what you do at ValueQuest, how that benefits our customers, and then talk a little bit about an event we have coming up. So why don't you give everyone a little rundown about what ValueQuest is? Absolutely. So about 11 years ago, Phil, the owner of uh, Norcom Mortgage, wanted to bring the appra appraisal piece in-house. He wanted full control of the appraisal process from order placement to report delivery, right? So he hired me to come in and manage our appraisal management company which to some people that seems weird, but it is completely uh, compliant and legal. And so all the appraisals that you guys are placing, we are managing it. Uh, I am uh, the certified residential appraiser 
acting as president of ValueQuest and chief appraiser for uh, North. I've obtained my SRA designation through the Appraisal Institute, which means I've gone even above and beyond what the state requires for licensure. Phil spends a lot of money into my training, making sure we're up to date on Fannie Freddie guidelines, FHA guidelines. So what that all means is that when you bring a client and you place the order, we're going to handle the appraisal process and everything that comes with it, right? At the end of the day, the appraisal is an opinion of value by one person at one given moment. Any opinion most likely will have differences, right? Not everybody always agrees, but we're here to manage that process for you. So we have found that that works best. I'm actually your representative going to bat for you guys on all matters appraisal. Mm -hmm. And it's honestly one of the things I love the most about working at Norcom is the relationship that we have with you and ValueQuest. Because when I think of all the things that could go wrong with a loan, like 50% of them are appraisal related, you know? So when they come in, it's nice that we have you and your team to be able to reach out to and find solutions. And sometimes there is no solution, but if there is a solution, we can typically find it by working together with you, which we appreciate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, every loan starts and end with, ends with the appraisal, right? You mm -hmm. can take disclosures, you can start a loan, this and that, but until you order that appraisal and get that report back, and then all the numbers make sense and are valid, not much is going to happen. So the, mm -hmm. the appraisal portion is, is very key. Uh, by having it in-house, we have established good relationships with local appraisers. They like working with us. They give Norcom Mortgage preferential treatment. And by, by more, Norcom, I mean also ValueQuest, obviously. They do a, a tremendous job for us. They answer when we reach out to them. They're excellent about communications, booking appointments, completing the reports by the desired due dates. Obviously, as volume was crazy. There's there's some hurdles that we all had to face and jump through, but for the most part, by retaining that process in-house helps tremendously. Prior to establishing ValueQuest and prior to me coming over here, Phil used to work with three or four other AMCs. An AMC is just an appraisal management company that's going to want to accept your order, take your money, and send back a report. What we're doing in-house is all that plus all the background review. Since 2015, Freddie and uh, Fannie makes every lender answer to collateral underwriter findings. We're doing that all in-house. No AMC has access to collateral underwriter. It is a software meant for lenders and lenders only. So we save a lot of time because like I mentioned earlier, while president of ValueQuest, I am chief appraiser for Norcom. And so I do have the access to the actual software which helps save us a tremendous amount of time instead of going back and forth with these cryptic messages that we get uh, from yeah. Collateral Underwriter. So we could deal yeah. directly with the appraiser. And nine out of 10 times, I could usually squash something that may be flagged in Collateral Underwriter because of my access. And it's, it's not something that's gonna alter the outcome of the appraisal. So we squash it right there. I send my write up to the underwriters and they get your uh, clear to close and proceed with the loan. So huge Bess, benefit. How different is it working with ValueQuest versus what you used to do at Assured? You know, I was actually just thinking, Ellie, as you're talking, you do such an amazing job with your communication on all our transactions. I mean, especially when things were, you know, volume-wise, they were insane during the refi boom. And we also had an obnoxious amount of purchase business. I've always admired the fact that 
because we're in-house, we have that access. Us loan officers have that access. I love the fact that you communicate with us, but I also like the fact that you actually keep us at arm's length the way that you should to protect your process. You know, can you speak about that for a second? Because it's like, you know, we're we're spending some time here almost bragging about the fact that we have an AMC sitting in-house, but I, I find you to be one of the most ethical people as part of this process. So Right. That's a great a great point, Chris, especially with the new AIR, right? Appraisal independence requirements put out by uh, Fannie and Freddie. I do keep you guys at arm's length. You know, for the past 12 years, we've never had a complaint filed against us. It's not about getting you the value that you want. It's about uh, being here from when there are differences is that, you know, I can pick up the phone and speak directly to an appraiser, uh, one appraiser to another. Just last week, I got a call from an appraiser. Um, and I mentioned earlier how we've established great relationships with the, the appraisers on our panel. I got a call from an appraiser. She needed to discuss something. She, the first things out of her mouth was, oh, thank God you answered the phone. Because most AMCs, you know, there's a ladder that I got to go through, right? And so that that appraiser had, you know, something she wanted to discuss about the appraisal. Uh, her and I talked, uh, like, two professionals about the appraisal. First thing I always say to them, I don't care what the value is. Let's discuss this objectively, compliantly, in a manner that we're not going to get ourselves in, in hot water down the road. So thank God for the past, you know, 11 or so years, we've been we've been doing that without any issues. And I think that important for you guys is the fact that I know that if you guys succeed, we succeed, right? So I know that I'm going to go to bat for you guys versus if it was just another AMC who's done their job and washed their hands, they took the order, they completed their report, they're done with it. You guys, by having this access to ValueQuest, access to, to me as the chief appraiser, we are going to go you know, every field, there's 2,000 fields in an appraisal report. We'll go through each one of them. And if there's an issue, we'll pick up the phone and address it with the appraiser. So. Awesome. Well, listen, we appreciate you, man. And, and I appreciate coming on the time. Love pumping ValueQuest to anyone that we work with. So it makes sense that you'd be our first guest. And we're also excited that we're going to be doing an Ask the Appraiser event that you're going to be coming up to the office for on December 12th. It's a Tuesday. Can you give a little bit of a glimpse in what anyone that comes would be in for on that event. So we've about an hour long or so. Um, yeah, why don't you fill us I, in on that? I love these events, guys, uh, because um, the minute you put an appraiser in, and I am assuming it's going to be a group of realtors and other real estate professionals, but the minute you put an appraiser in front of them, I, I almost joke that I should come into every one of these with a target on me because it's amazing. I literally have probably uh, five or six slides and I could just throw them up and I will start a hour to two hour long. Last time we did one, it was supposed to be an hour and people were so involved with the questions and answers that we ended up going two hours, right? So what can they expect? They, they come to these things and I, I welcome you guys to uh, open it up on the invitation that if they have a question ahead of time to go ahead and send it so that we can address these things. But it's amazing because, you know, um, I can preach FHA guidelines. I can preach Fannie Mae guidelines, but it's when you're in the room with 20, 30, however many uh, realtors, the minute you start talking about something, they're like, oh yeah, I got the same situation going. I got this deal that this happened or they had the question of this. And, it, and you'd be surprised how much the, the conversation just 
opens up and, and mm. time just flies, you know, and, and I try to address everything and anything that they may have a question on. And if I can't answer right then and there, gladly come back to my office, research it and send you back the response so you can contact that, that person back. So love it, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I'm thanks looking, for doing it. Yeah. Appreciate looking forward coming to coming up on uh 12. Hopefully it's cold enough. Maybe we can do some little skiing. Oh God. Now you're getting me fired up. So, oh, boy. Yeah. We'll, we'll definitely make that happen. You know right. what I mean? Definitely. <laughs> oh boy. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> All right, bud. Well, well, thanks again. We will talk soon. We'll see you on the 12th. You got I'll it. You, Looking forward to you guys. Good to see yeah. you. See you later. See ya. All right, so we're back. We're going to finish it up with some positive news ending the episode. And the thing I want to bring up, Chris, was why is now still an okay time to buy? Yeah, put, let's yeah. put the positive spin on the market. Rent the rate, own the house, right? <laughs> I mean, I think that's overused a little bit recently, but I think everybody's coming out with some ammo to keep people positive. Guys, the last time we went through a downturn in the economy, there was so much stuff. It, it was a tsunami of just bad mortgages, you know, that caused such a downward spiral. We've been underwriting loans now since what, 2011, that are pristine loans that are well-documented. Like we do not, we, we've got such an awesome foundation right now when it comes to lending that I don't see that ever becoming a factor. And I think ultimately to answer your question, I think that's the positive spin to this. It's like, mm -hmm. we're gonna ebb and flow. You know, the economy is always gonna ebb and flow, but I, I don't think we're ever gonna see a scenario where it's just like, bam. And I don't think real estate's gonna do that this time. Yeah. I, think it's, I think we're just gonna level off and be a normal market with yep. normal lending, with normal rates, and things are just gonna continue on like they always do. So like, Become a homeowner. Why wouldn't you? Build yeah. equity. Like, Randy, here we are all these years. I mean, I remember meeting you when I was a kid. Look at look at what you've accomplished with your real estate portfolio. Mm -hmm. Look at some mm -hmm. of the stuff I've done. I mean, I love I love real estate and everybody mm -hmm. else should too. So that's that's I mean, I could ramble all day about the positivity of owning yeah. something. So what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think if you need to own a home like, cause you're having a kid or you're getting married or your parents are selling their house and you need to move out. I wouldn't not buy. Cause you think you're going to time the market. I don't know that prices are going to drop when it comes to like basic supply and demand. There is a lot of demand in the real estate market right now. So whatever you think is going to happen, I think the demand is going to continue with rates going up. Demand has probably slowed down a little bit. So we are seeing some homes sit in the market a little bit longer. We're seeing some price reductions. So if you need a home now, even though we're heading into the holiday season or we're heading into the winter, don't be afraid to buy a home now. Rates are starting to drop. And when the rates drop, you see this flood of loan applications. You can see it on a nationwide level. I mean, rates dropped a little bit over the past week. Loan applications spike up. And that's going to continue to happen. What do you think is going to happen when rates are at 6%? There's going to be that many more buyers in the market. So if, like you said, Beds, you buy a house now, you date the rate, marry the home, and then you can always refinance in the future and lower that payment. So I guess I just wouldn't try, try to time the market. I talked to plenty of people before things really blew up in 2017, 18, 19, that thought prices were high then that did not take action and they probably never took action. And then here we are. So don't time the market. It's still a good time to buy. I'm excited about it. Hoping for a better year in 2024 than 2023. So pumped. Yeah, same. And like, can we talk for a second about all the awesome options that are available to borrowers? I mean, we have VA, no money down. We have FHA, three and a half percent down. Rural developments, no money down. Misha's no money down. 
We have all of these loans where you can buy a property and rehab it. There, there are options and they're all responsible lending options to help people mm -hmm. get into homes. Let's stop with the negativity. There's so much awesome stuff going yeah, on. Absolutely. So that's all that we have for today. Just want to say to our referral partners, clients, prospects that we appreciate your support over the past few years. And thanks for the opportunity to help you guys out with mortgages. If you need anything, if you know anyone that needs anything, definitely reach out to us. Chris and I are always happy to help. I'm going to put our information in the description, names, contact info, NMLS numbers, all that stuff. Definitely reach out to us, share the podcast with anyone that you think would benefit from hearing it. And that's it for me. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next month. All right. See you guys.